engage with other cultures? How does the exchange of people address violent extremism? How can cities become players on the world stage? I'm Madison Jones, and this is the Public Diplocast. Sponsored by the USC Center on Public Diplomacy, this is Episode 4, City Diplomacy in the Big Apple. So far in this Public Diplocast, we've discussed public diplomacy definitions and the many ways in which it's practiced. We've discussed faith diplomacy and interfaith relations, countering violent extremism and community engagement. But today, we are going to explore an emerging trend we're seeing in the field of public diplomacy. As national governments become increasingly unstable, and we as a society are forced to find solutions to the world's problems, cities have stepped up to take on a leadership role in international relations. Cities are often hubs for international engagement. Global cities around the world have large immigrant populations, mayors are supporting climate change initiatives and meeting with foreign dignitaries, and events like the Olympics create opportunities for international cultures to converge. Today, we are focusing on one of the most notable global cities in the world, the Big Apple, the city that never sleeps, the Empire City, New York, New York. Joining me to discuss city diplomacy and how New York engages with the world is Commissioner Penny Abbey-Wardena. Penny is New York City's Commissioner for International Affairs. As head of the Mayor's Office for International Affairs, she leads the city's global platform for promoting its goals for a more just and accessible society, showcasing the diversity of New Yorkers and sharing policies and best practices with the world. Prior to joining Mayor Bill de Blasio's administration, Penny was the Director of Girls and Women Integration at the Clinton Global Initiative. Welcome, Commissioner. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. It is um, both weird and an honor to be back at my alma mater. (laughs) So in this podcast, we talk about a lot of different public diplomacy concepts. But with you, I'd like to talk about city diplomacy. Absolutely. So New York City is one of the top global cities in the world, if not the top global city. Little biased. I'm going to go ahead with yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> and I mentioned to you, I lived in New York, so I've personally seen the amazing diversity and multiculturalism at play. And so I'm wondering, how do you engage international communities as commissioner? Yeah, absolutely. So um, a lot of people don't appreciate this, but New York City is host to the largest diplomatic corps in the world. We obviously um, have the United Nations headquarters, its affiliates like UNICEF, but we also have 193 permanent missions. We have 115 consulates who are supporting New York City's immigrant communities um, throughout our five boroughs. And we have about um, 70, 75 international trade commissions. So a lot of really interesting entry points into the engagement of the international community. And as some background, um, the mayor, Mayor de Blasio, appointed me back in September 2014 during the UN General Assembly, which was also focused on climate. And they were hosting their very significant climate week during that period. And what was an interesting part of the mayor and I strategizing what we should do with this office was really to focus on creating a global platform from which we can better connect New York City policies and best practices with the global community, but also engage this international community, this diplomatic core, in the into the New York City fabric, right? Right now, too many of our diplomats or at that time were just focused in, around Turtle Bay and the UN. And what we wanted them to do is have a relationship with the city that is their host. 
And so what um, we've done in the last couple of years is create a number of opportunities of engagement and programming. We have a program called Global Vision Urban Action, um, which is really one of my favorite programs because in 2015, the mayor launched his One NYC, which is his development agenda for New York City. And because of our very significant equity lens, when we think about resilience and and sustainability, there were synergies with all of the SDGs, which were coming together that September um, in uh, September 2015 at the UN. And so what we have done over the last three years is really show how we are localizing the sustainable development goals, the, the community leadership that is needed to actually ensure that the SDGs are going to be successful. So we have a series of programming that's about sharing best case practices. And one thing that my office is very aware of and and cognizant when we entered these conversations and this partnership with our international cohorts is New York City is as large, if not larger population-wise, as like 134, 135 countries. So, you know, things that are working in New York City can work in most places, whether it's at the city or state level. That being said, we're also not Manhattan. We have the challenges of East New York or the South Bronx. And so we need to learn from other communities that are doing successful work, policy work elsewhere. And so we um, are actively open to collaboration with the Nairobis and the Sao Paulo's of the world. And so it has been a very interesting way of, of that sort of engagement. So you mentioned New York City has the largest diplomatic corps in the world. And one of the programs that you've created is the Connecting Local to Global program that connects the diplomatic community to the city. Can you tell us a little bit more about this program and why it's important? So Connecting Local to Global has been a very important um, program for our office because we are activating our consular corps as bridges to our immigrant communities in a way that New York City has never done before. And we've activated them in two ways that I'd love to share right now. One of the mayors, um, one of Mayor de Blasio's uh, sort of signature policy areas when he came in, it's run by my colleague Nisha Agrawal at uh, the Mayor's Office for Immigrant Affairs, but it's called IDNYC. And Mayor de Blasio wanted to ensure that all New Yorkers, irrespective of their documentation status, had access to an identification card that would allow them to do things like access city services to pick up their children. And so if you are a New Yorker, um, you are able to get this card. And a couple of things that, that have been very important is that we need to destigmatize this card so that not so it's not only our most vulnerable um, citizens that have it, but rather all New Yorkers. So the Mayor's Office for Immigrant Affairs very strategically partnered with 40 cultural institutions. And so we ended up having, um, you know, this this great, here's your New York City ID card and it gets you into all these free museums. And so part of destigmatizing this card is we started inviting ambassadors, UN leadership, consuls general to sign up for it. Now you have leaders of your community with it. They have their New York card. We also did training um, so that people knew the languages that they, they were available in, any questions related to what do we do with the information that they're giving us to ensure that everybody who was signing up for this card was confident that all their information was private and confidential and could not be misused. But the way we did it was through educating our consular community and actively having them become allies in ensuring that their community was signing up for IDNYC. So that was that's been um, probably one of our signature pieces throughout connecting local to global over the last couple of years. But really, this program is about showing the behind the scenes of how New York City functions and giving people access to it. 
One of my favorite examples is a partnership with the Korean consulate where we were translating a book around talking, singing, and reading to your children into Korean, which is the fifth most spoken language in New York City. And we did this event in the Queens Library. We had a couple of hundred families come. They got free um, copies of this book. But the most important part of that event was the sort of the fair that we had after where people were able to learn about all the city agency um, services that were available. And that spanned all kinds of issues, which also included information about our Family Justice Center, which is, you know, our program for survivors of domestic violence. So it's just such an important way to ensure, you know, that's great if we have all of these incredible programs, but the people need to know about it. And engaging our international community, in particular, our consular corps, has been at the heart of my office's work with Connecting Local to Global. You touched on this a little bit ago, but I, I want to circle back. What are some successful examples of city diplomacy, in your opinion, that New York has learned from, either here or even outside the U.S.? I think you mentioned Nairobi. Um, are, are there any cities in particular that you look to that are really excelling in this field? That's a really good question. So the way that I um, I am measuring success here, and that's, again, something that we're all trying to figure out what are the, what are the measurements of success for city diplomacy um, and to me it's the exchanging of best practices so I just spoke at length about IDNYC the mayor and I were in Paris after um, Charlie Hebdo the horrible um, terrorist attack and we were spending quite a lot of time with Anne Hidalgo got to know her um, her team quite well and one of the 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 aspects coming out of that terrorist attack was how do we how does Paris actually integrate their immigrant communities a little bit better, in particular their undocumented residents. And so they actually replicated our IDNYC card, and there is that equivalent in Paris. And so that, to me, is an example of city diplomacy working in a way that I can substantiate, right? I think there is right now a lot of trying to figure out what is actual success. That is an example of one I would I would identify. I love that. That's great. How do you see city diplomacy growing as a concept in the future? Does city diplomacy exist mostly when there's instability on the national level, as we're seeing right now? Or can it exist regardless of what U.S. national politics looks like? Um, that is a great question. I think that the instability creates avenues of opportunity, but it absolutely should and will continue to exist in incoming iterations of our national government. You know, one of the reasons that I, in particular with our office, have really looked at the Sustainable Development Goals is that it has become, I think, a very important organizing principle wherever you are in the world around issues that impact every community. Um, and it's also been a really interesting marketing tool. So when I think of the opportunity of our current instability, right? New York City saw very early on that Trump was going to pull out of the Paris Climate Accord, right? Allowed us to get in front of that. You know, I like to sometimes say that um, New York City, perhaps California as well, are seen <laughs> as beacons of sanity. Um, and that beacon of sanity means that New York City was the first um, American city that committed to the Paris Climate Accords. I think we might have been the first one that came out with sort of the policy um, analysis in terms of how we were going to achieve that. That being said, there are so many other avenues for us to continue to show up in that way. And that should be irrespective of the instability that is happening at the national at the national level, largely because if you 
if you care about the sustainable development goals, what needs to happen is the localizing of those efforts, right? We need our communities activated. And this leads me to one of, I think, probably my favorite program. And this this came about from the mayor really, you know, challenging me to think about how can we take the important work of the UN, the Sustainable Development Goals, and get everyday New Yorkers to care about it. And, you know, quite honestly, the way you do that is by activating the youth, right? Getting the young people around the five boroughs working on these issues. So we created a program called New York City Junior Ambassadors, where we invite educators, seventh grade educators from around the five boroughs to integrate the SDGs into their curriculum and apply for this program. And the winning schools get the opportunity to get a private tour of the UN that is curated around their issues. Issue, wow. Then an expert on that issue gives them a briefing. And then we have an ambassador, um, you know, a UN ambassador. And this is also getting them outside of Turtle Bay. They go visit these schools. For example, the former UK ambassador, Matthew Rycroft, went to Staten Island. It was the first time he'd been to Staten Island. And so these kids can also now see what these these global experts and how they got there and listen to their stories and start to see how that can reflect on their experience. And then finally, the last thing we ask them to do in the program is, okay, you've learned about the X issue. A lot of them do climate change. A lot of them do human rights. What's happening in your community and what can you do about it? So here they get the context of the UN, the SDGs, but they pivot into action in their own community, which is the most important aspect, I think, of the SDGs. Again, how are people activating these goals in their everyday life and at their community level? And doing that with young people, we have heard in these incredible stories, but for the first time, parents that have maybe ever thought about the UN as traffic during UN General <laughs> Assembly Week are like, oh my God, my, my kid has become, you know, an SDG 8 activist. <laughs> and probably Speaking, teaches them something in the meantime. Exactly. You know, it's, it's just, it's been a beautiful way of getting young people. And I have to say the first time, the first year we were launching this program, and this is, I think, some context for people who aren't aware of their communities beyond where they live. I'd been to Staten Island a few times because they have a huge Sri Lankan community and really good Sri Lankan food, and I'm Sri Lankan. So I had that reason to get there. But I um, went to speak to some 7th and 8th graders at a school in Staten Island to get them excited about this program and to, to apply for it. And I was talking to this incredible principal after, um, the principal of the school, and he said up to 70% of his kids had never left the island of Staten Island. So the UN, this like diplomatic community I'm talking about, could have been in Mars for all it matters, right? It was it was that disconnected. And so it's been really important for my office to ensure that we are also bridging that gap between what this very powerful institution, you know, whatever you think about the UN, it is a significant educational and cultural resource. And we're bringing that to to everyday New Yorkers. And to me, that's city diplomacy right there. These young ambassadors are going to be the next generation of city diplomats if you think, you know, if you think about what's next. And so I'm I'm really excited and I believe that instability or otherwise, it is absolutely crucial that we have people engaged um, and thinking about thinking about action in their community, but also looking beyond our borders. I'm going to have to get some restaurant recommendations for you. My family lives in Staten Island. I'm oh, going really? to visit them. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. What are some challenges or capacity gaps that you've seen in the field so far? You know, um, I think it's resources, right? They're, we're drinking out of a fire hose of speaking about instability. Um, I think something that 
I am challenged with is the recognition that our current federal policies are terrorizing our community. And so that those are real issues that need resources. And, you know, my office is a significant supporter of other city partners, um, in particular, our immigrant affairs. How can we support that work? That being said, you know, this is where the gap is. There's a lot of desire to engage now between city to city, city and state, and the resources and the capacity to do that. I realize I'm in a very unique place being in New York City and these are my constituents, right? The the ambassadors that that work at the UN or the consulates and the consuls general that are working with our immigrant community. So they're actively seeking partnerships with us. And there's not a meeting I go to that, you know, we don't come out with five to 10 ideas. It's the resource to actually get that done, given that we are in an environment where we are like drinking out of a fire hose. And it is like, how do you how do you stop this bleeding? How do you stop that bleeding? So city diplomacy is an emerging concept in the field of public diplomacy, as we've just discussed. And it's clear. That's so academic. I know. (laughs) It's where my brain is at. No, no, no. And it's true. But it's funny because I think I live it on a daily basis. So I don't think of it as emerging. It's just sort of my reality. And as we were discussing, it's sort of always been around. But now with the you know, national politics in play, now we're really thinking about it, especially just as a term, as a concept. Absolutely. Um, So now we've heard, obviously, some of the great things coming out of New York City. But what would the price be to cities that opt out of engaging in this form of public diplomacy? I think the price is really going to be the inability to learn from other cities what's working. I mean, something that I talk about all the time is that we wanted to create and we have created this global platform from which we can exchange best practices. And this is not New York City just showing up as, hey, we're perfect, here's everything that we're doing. We're actively learning from other cities. And I think that learning component, whether you are a small city in the Midwest or you are a big one on one of our coasts, at the end of the day, that engagement, and you know, when, when you asked me that, what does success look like? It, to me, is something substantive around policy exchange, impact on communities. So that directly correlates to how I think about the price that cities would pay if they didn't engage in city diplomacy. And that is also the the cross-dialogue, the ability to learn about other communities, especially engage, you know, sometimes, again, related to the resources, when we have to think about our priorities, which countries should we prioritize, we look at who are the which um, countries represent our biggest immigrant communities. There becomes an organizing principle right there. And then we focus on that. So, you know, there's not a city in this in this country that doesn't have a fascinating sort of immigrant population that could be really interesting in terms of how you engage with those communities. So I think the 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 price is is significant. There's a there's a lot of learning and and relationship building and collaboration that would benefit everyone. Thank you so much, Commissioner. This has been super helpful and really informative, and I appreciate you talking with us. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Special thanks to the USC Center on Public Diplomacy, specifically Lisa Rao, who made this possible, the USC Annenberg School for Communication and Journalism, and Caleb Trask, who provided our theme music, which comes from his EP, Across the Water. And to all of our listeners, thank you so much for joining us today. Looking forward to bringing you the next episode, so stay tuned.